So as I said, my name is Steve, and uh, I'm one of the elders, and I have the opportunity just to share a few thoughts as we uh, um, continue just to worship Jesus on this wonderful Christmas Eve service. I don't know if you know this about my wife, but she is actually fluent in five languages. Yeah, exactly. She's fluent in the languages of physical touch, acts of service, quality time, words of affirmation, and gift giving. And if you have no idea what I'm talking about, about 15 years ago, author Gary Chapman wrote this kind of really revolutionary book called uh, The Five Love Languages. And the premise of the book was pretty simple, that the way that you love, the way that you express love, and the way that you receive love is often very different to your spouse or to your family member or to your friend or to your roommate. And essentially, love can get lost in translation. The challenge with being married to someone who is multilingual in the five love languages is that the language of choice can change at any moment without any warning, but that's another sermon perhaps for, a, for another time. I wonder how many gift givers are among us, those who love giving gifts, maybe just a show of hand. You'll know exactly what it is like to be a gift giver, the, the time and the effort that you put into shopping for your gift and finding the right gift and even wrapping the gift. It's an expression of your love to the person that you are giving a gift to. The problem, though, is I find gift givers are incredibly discerning. And if they discern or sense that the same amount of effort is not being placed into the gift that they are receiving, there can obviously be some significant problems. And so I want to say to the gift givers among us, go easy on the rest of us. Cut us a little bit of slack. Understand the pressure and the expectation that we are under. Immense pressure every time an anniversary or a birthday or Christmas rolls around. And to the non-gift givers among us, I want to set you free. Be free from trying to find that absolutely perfect gift. But also, I want to challenge you to step up to the plate, step up to the mark, and give some intentionality and thought to the gifts that you are going to purchase for the ones that you love. And to help find common ground between those on either ends of the gift-giving spectrum, let me throw this pearl of wisdom into the mix. The story behind the gift can be as important and meaningful as the gift itself. In other words, what I'm trying to say is if the gift is not a home run, if you've placed thought and care and love and intentionality into the purchasing of the gift, that can make the gift just as meaningful. This is the reasoning I tried to apply one year to a gift that I purchased for Debs many year, years ago. I purchased her side tables that were on sale one Christmas. Yes, I know. Did I mention they were on sale? I don't know if I mentioned that they were on sale. They weren't just side tables, they were called nesting side tables, the ones that kind of go underneath one another. I thought they were pretty cool, but uh, the fact that I got them for 50% off didn't ease the disappointment that I could see in Debs's face when I purchased the gift. And I learned an important lesson that might be worthwhile sharing here as well, is that generally speaking, furniture and kitchen appliances are not a good gift to buy around Christmas time. But again, furniture and Christmas appliances aside, let me just remind us that the story behind the gift can be as important and meaningful as the gift itself. Gift givers or not, we're all waiting in anticipation for tomorrow to arrive when we can finally 
get to open the gifts. And whether we're five or 15 or 50 among us here, it's the wonderfully exciting time of the year as the gifts begin to gather under the tree. For the last two weeks, we've been learning about waiting and what does it look like to wait? What does it look like to wait in hope for promises? Very specifically, we've been talking about how do we wait for God's promises to be fulfilled? And we've agreed that it's not easy. But what, what gets us through the waiting is the hope of rejoicing at the other end, the hope that sorrow will turn to joy, the hope that one day we will get to hold or get to experience the promise of God fulfilled or the promise of God realized. And that's why we've called this Christmas series this year, The Thrill of Hope. It's the hope that enables us and, and empowers a weary world to rejoice, as the song, O Holy Night, speaks about. Because the night in question in that song is the night that Jesus was born. We learned a couple weeks ago that the people of God had to wait for 400 years, 400 years of silence between when God spoke last to the prophet Malachi, 400 years of silence until Jesus was born as told in the Gospels. 400 years of waiting. But in fact, their waiting had actually been much longer. Their waiting and longing for a Messiah, for a Savior, stretches all the way back to the book of Genesis, chapter 3, where God first promises Adam and Eve that He will one day send a Messiah and send a Savior. It, it, it continues throughout the book of Genesis, specifically in Genesis 12, where, where God speaks to Abraham and makes a promise that He will be the father of many nations. God repeats His promise over and over again to, to kings and to prophets throughout the history of God's people, despite their continued unfaithfulness to God. And perhaps the most dramatic kind of declaration of God's promise that a Savior will come is found in the book of Isaiah. Isaiah says this in chapter 9. He says, For to us, speaking about the people of God, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government of God, the, the, the righteousness and peace and joy of God will, will be on His shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. We now know that Isaiah was speaking about and prophesying about the coming Messiah, about Jesus. And we've just read and we've sung that song a few moments ago that, that our Savior, Jesus, the Savior of the world, shall be a Wonderful Counselor. In a world that is desperately looking for answers about complex questions around race and, and injustice and, and inequality and so on. In a world where we are looking for answers to the questions that we wrestle with, I want to put it to you that Jesus alone is our wonderful counselor. His name shall be Mighty God. Jesus and Jesus alone is the one who has won victory over sin and sickness and separation from God and victory over Satan. He shall be, Jesus shall be called everlasting father in a city and in a culture of neverlasting fathers, in a culture of emotionally absent fathers. Jesus is the one who is our everlasting father, and he shall be called prince of peace. What normally would divide doesn't need to in Jesus. And 
So the people of God waited. They, they waited for this promised Messiah that God had, had, spoke, had spoken about. Their, their hope began to swell and, and began to long for a Messiah who would come in, in power and come in glory to establish the, the righteousness and justice and peace of God, to establish His kingdom here on earth and to overthrow illegitimate power and authority. So it's not surprising that they were shocked, perhaps even confused, maybe even disappointed when they saw that this Messiah was actually a crying baby lying in the arms of an overwhelmed and absolutely terrified teenage mother. But I want us not to forget that the story behind the gift can be as important and meaningful as the gift itself. If you were one of those shepherds, on the night of Jesus' birth. I wonder what, what you would have gone and told others about what you had experienced. Maybe you would have run off and told people that you had seen an angel. I, I think I certainly would have. An angel who, who, who maybe speaks to you. And then as this angel is speaking to you, suddenly this entire choir of angels begins to appear and to sing praises to God. I certainly would have told people about that. Maybe you would have gone off and told people about the fact that you saw a baby being born in a stable and was lying in a feeding trough. But what's interesting, in the Gospel of Luke, it tells us that the shepherds didn't share either part of that story. In Luke chapter 2, verse 17, it says this, When the shepherds had seen Jesus, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. What they spread was not what they saw. What they spread was the, 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 the facts that they have been told by the angels about this child. It tells us in Luke chapter 2 verse 10, this is what the angels told them. Don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah. He is the Lord. As remarkable as an angelic choir was, as, as, almost un, as, as almost unbelievable as a teenage mother giving birth despite being a virgin, or the fact that a guiding star had sent wise men to the stable in order for them to give gifts to Jesus, as astonishing as, and as unbelievable as that sounds, there was something even more astonishing and unbelievable. And that is the, the fact that the creator of Jupiter and the Milky Way and the universe had come to earth as a baby, needing to be fed at his mother's breast, soiling his swaddling clothes, all for the purpose of saving the world, all for the purpose of saving you and your world. That's what the shepherds told the world, anyone that would listen about. They realized that the story behind the gift was as meaningful and as important as the gift itself. The gift of Jesus is the gift of the gospel. It's, it's what the shepherds told, it's what the angels told the shepherds, that the good news will cause great joy for all people of the world. Our declaration is what we have sung. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. And so friends, as we unwrap Christmas gifts tomorrow, I want to encourage you that the unwrapping of the Christmas story, the unwrapping of the, of the story behind Christmas, isn't about the angelic choir. It's about who the choir was singing about. 
It isn't about a guiding star bringing men who brought gifts. It's about who the star was pointing to and who the gifts were for. And it doesn't just reveal a baby in a manger, but it reveals a king who has come to establish his reign and his rule of love and glory and power. The unwrapping of Christmas reveals a God who never gives up on his people and a God who always fulfills his promise. It reveals that Jesus is not only just the savior of the world, but he's the savior of you and your world. I joked earlier that Deb's is fluent in the five love languages. In all reality, she's not really, but there is one who is, and that is Jesus Christ. He is the one who has been given as the gift from the Father to save the world. He is the one who loves through physical touch. There's a story in Luke chapter 5 where a leper comes to Jesus and says, if you are willing, will you make me clean? And Jesus reaches out his hand and touches the leper and says, I am willing, be clean. Jesus is the one who loves through quality time. Times of refreshing, Acts chapter 3 tell us, come from the presence of the Lord. He is the one who loves through words of affirmation. God says over us, I have loved you with an everlasting love. And he says over us, no more will anyone call you rejected, but today you will be called my delight because I delight in you. And he is the God who loves through the greatest act of service and sacrifice imaginable. Listen to what Paul writes in Romans 5. We can understand someone dying for a person worth dying for. And we can understand how someone good and noble could inspire us to selfless sacrifice. But God put his love on, on the line for us by offering his son in sacrificial death while we were of no use whatsoever to him. While we were still sinners, Jesus died for us. I wonder if we could just close our eyes for a moment. And I just want to uh, throw that invitation out here to anyone who might be visiting or anyone who might be with us today who does not know Jesus as Lord and Savior. Friends, I want to put it to you today that Jesus is the gift of God who has come not just to save the world in a kind of nebulous term, but he has come to save you and your world. Even while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And the gospel that is available to each, to each and every one of us is not a gospel of earning or a gospel of achieving. It's a gospel of receiving the love of God. I would love to pray for you this morning. If you are here today and you're saying, Steve, I wanna know Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I wanna respond to this incredible invitation that God is making available to me. If that's you, can I ask just real quick for you to slip up your hand. I'd love to lead you in a prayer this morning where you receive Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior. Thank you, thank you. Does anyone else wanna respond this morning to the good news of the gospel? that Jesus is Lord and Savior, that his gift is available by grace through faith in him. I saw one hand go up, but I, if the, I missed any, anyone else. I wanna encourage you, if you raised your hand today, I wanna invite you to pray this prayer after me. Heavenly Father, thank you for your love for me. Your love so great that you sent Jesus to die on the cross for my sins. 
Jesus, thank you that I don't just, I'm not praying to a God who once was, but a God who is alive and seated at the Father's right hand. And so Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart as my Lord and Savior. I surrender my life to you. Thank you that your love washes away my sin. I love you. I praise you and I worship you this morning. Thank you that today by faith, I am born again, a child of God, sealed by the power of the Holy Spirit. Father, I pray for those that responded this morning. Holy Spirit, that you would just seal that decision in their hearts today, that they would know that they are a child of God from this day forward. Thank you that in heaven there is a celebration and we join that celebration right now as we thank you, Lord God, for the salvation of souls into the kingdom of God. Let's just thank God for the fact that he moved this morning. Lord, we praise you, we honor you, and we worship you today in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. I'm gonna invite Debs up as she's gonna...